Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Opportunity Starts at Home podcast, where we explore the deep connection between housing and opportunity across the nation with experts from various sectors, from health to education, to racial equity, to climate, and much more. My name is Chantel Wilkinson. I am the campaign manager of the Opportunity Starts at Home campaign. The campaign is about bringing voices into housing advocacy that are not typical housing advocates and using these new partners to advance federal affordable housing policy. This campaign has come together at a critical moment with housing advocates recognizing the crisis has reached enormous heights and advocates and leaders in other sectors recognizing that fixing the housing crisis is instrumental to their own goals and priorities. Housing has an impact on our health. Housing has an impact on our education. Housing has an impact on our access to nutritious foods. Housing has played a major role in structural racism and discrimination, and we can go on and on. Our podcast episodes aim to deepen our understanding of housing and its spillover impacts, explore the substantial research out there, and we are bringing in the experts to chat about it. So thank you for joining us today and let's get into this episode. Welcome back everyone and welcome to the first episode of the year. My name is Chantel Wilkinson and I am the campaign manager of Opportunity Starts at Home. I wanna thank you for joining us and let us get right into our topic, which is part of an ongoing series on how to build multi-sector partnerships to advance affordable housing policy on the state level. This series will feature our state partners that are building state-level multi-sector coalitions and leveraging those partnerships to advance federal housing policies. Over the past four years and counting, the campaign has supported the work of state campaigns across the nation. We currently support 21 state campaigns. NC Child has been a part of the national campaign for the last year and counting. And today we have Adam Sotuk, Community Engagement Director to talk to us about the work being done in North Carolina. So let me let him tell you a bit about himself. Welcome, Adam, to the podcast. Can you tell the audience a bit about yourself and why do you do this work? Sure. Thanks, Chantel. And um, hi, everyone. My name is Adam Sotok, and I am the Community Engagement Director at NC Child. NC Child is a nonprofit organization based in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we focus on public policy changes at the local, state, and federal level levels that we feel like will be uh, positive for children and families because our mission is to ensure that every child thrives in the state of North Carolina regardless of their race, ethnicity, or place of birth. And um, I've been doing community engagement, policy advocacy work here in the state of North Carolina for over 20 years now, and I've been with NC Child since 2015. Thank you, Adam. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit more about NC Child? Sure. Um, As I mentioned, we're a nonprofit organization, and our mission is to really advocate for public policy changes. And so uh, we do, we, we section our work out into four different main areas as a nonprofit. One, we do a lot of communications work. So we're constantly trying to educate the public about what's going on with children and families in North Carolina. Uh, trying to uh, utilize social media and traditional media outlets to share data and share policy ideas. 
Uh, two, we do a lot of research and data. And so we are one of the Kids Count data hubs. We're the Kids Count uh, agency in North Carolina as part of the Annie E. Casey Foundation's national network. So you can go onto our website at NC Child and look at all kinds of data and information pertaining to children in the state. And we have a lot of folks across the state that utilize that as a resource. Um, third, we do direct advocacy. So uh, we have a paid policy director slash lobbyist on our staff who um, goes in and talks directly to lawmakers. And we do a lot of grassroots advocacy and lobbying as well, where we're basically trying to bring local citizens together with key decision makers. And last but not least, the, the section of the work that I lead up is our community engagement work. And uh, we do that in a variety of different ways, but one, one of the main ways is we have a statewide network called the North Carolina Child Advocacy Network, or CAN for short, and that is um, made up of, of over 100 organizations across the state um, that are interested in the well-being of children and families. And so we uh, lead as we, we play a lead role with that coalition in bringing folks together, providing advocacy updates, doing trainings, et cetera. And then uh, an added layer to our child advocacy network is we actually have started four hubs across the state of North Carolina, four local chapters of our child advocacy network in four different areas. And we, we supply some pass-through funding to those local orgs and really work with them to be strong coalitions, multi-issue coalitions on the local level. Then we have a parent advisory committee, our PAC, and we've had this in place for about four years now. And this consists of parents who have children who are receiving Medicaid or uh, the Children's Health Insurance Program. And so we bring those parents together and they themselves go and advocate to decision makers about issues. And then last but not least, we also have a uh, YAC, our Youth Advocacy Council. And this is a group of young people, usually high school aged uh, young people who uh, learn about advocacy and work on some priorities themselves to have their voices heard in the process. So. Uh, that's really, in a nutshell, what we at NC Child are all about. Our organization has been around since the 1980s. It's changed its name a few times, and whereas it really started out as more of like a think tank uh, around policy issues, it's now grown into, um, you know, the full nonprofit that I just described. Yeah, and it's amazing work that you all do. I mean, um when we put out the application process out there to receive um, proposals for the campaign uh, we saw the tremendous work that you all have done and we looked at all of the things that you contribute especially to children and families and so through the process uh, we chose another eight organizations last year to join the opportunity starts at home national campaign and to do this work so that we can um, really expand on the work that we were doing on the national level. So I do want to ask you, you know, NC Child was chosen as one of the organizations to join that second cohort. And could you tell us a bit about how NC Child has been able to use the funds that we've provided to build that multi-sector coalition on the state level? 
Absolutely, and we really appreciate being a part of Opportunity Starts at Home and, and the network. I get so much out of the, the meetings that we have together, and I've learned a whole lot the past year plus about <laughs> housing policy. I, you know, I don't come to this as a housing policy expert, but really what we've tried to do with this opportunity is integrate the issue of safe and affordable housing for children and families into everything we do as a child advocacy organization because it's such a um, key part of having uh, of children being able to thrive and we all know that affordable housing is an issue really in any city or state across our country it's no different here in North Carolina when we're out talking to advocates and we're addressing and talking about different issues housing always comes up and and that issue and so to us it just makes sense to have this be a standard key part of the multi-issue uh, way that we're going about trying to create policy change here in North Carolina. Yeah and that key part that you're talking about too is something that resonates a lot with our national partners. Uh, we always point out that our national partners have told us and have recognized that housing is such a key part of their own policy priority goals that it, be, it has become a pillar and a core value to what they do too. So um, I really thank you for lifting that up. And as part of the campaign, one of the main theories of change that we're trying to push here and breaking those sector silos is partnering with groups that are outside of housing to really advance these policy goals and really, you know, put a double stamp on this idea that housing is so foundational to so much um, that is that is integrated in so many other aspects of life. And so NC Child, something that was very unique to the proposal that you guys sent to us is that you're partnering with North Carolina Housing Coalition to build this OSA movement. So can you talk to us about this partnership and how has it impacted the multi-sector work in North Carolina? Well, it's it's been wonderful for us because, of course, we can rely on you know the expertise that the the good folks at the North Carolina Housing Coalition have around the issue, and we're also working in similar ways to try to build community support. So we've been able to um, combine some of the trainings that we that we both uh, do as organizations. We've been able to cross share information and blog posts, for example. Um, we're able to uh, allow the North Carolina Housing Coalition came and spoke to our North Carolina Child Advocacy Network and laid out a series of policy priorities around affordable housing in 2021. And so it's really serving as a, as a great way uh, to educate our members as part of the Child Advocacy Network about these housing policy issues and what they can do about it. And on the flip side, I think it's helping to center even more the needs of children and families uh, within the housing network when we're talking about some of these policy changes as well. So we really enjoy our working relationship. Uh, Adrian Spinner, the uh, campaigns director for NCHC and myself spend a lot of time talking to one another and trying to figure out ways to collaborate. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff we love to hear um, on the national level because it's really about building these partnerships, creating those inroads with other organizations and really breaking these sector silos because we understand that a lot of our issues, they cross intersect, they impact each other. 
And when we talk about something so foundational as housing, sometimes it's almost like a no-brainer that housing can be so impactful to so many outcomes, especially when we talk about the spillover impacts of housing. Um, and that another piece that you really lifted up there that I just want to talk about too is just that education piece. I mean, through the national campaign, we've done a lot to really collaborate with our partners around that education piece. How do we make sure that information's out there, that the research is out there, that people can easily access this information that has kind of been around for a very long time, really showing that connection between housing and all these other things and, and these important um, things in life for well-being, you know, health, education, and so on and so forth. The list goes on. Uh, so the information and the research has been out there, but really uplifting it and making sure that it is known um, just beyond the housing advocacy space as well. Uh, and so something else that I would ask you is that, you know, you know, for groups out there who would be interested in starting their own multi-sector partnerships, what are some strategies that you would recommend for bringing in those new partners to the table and what has been challenging in the work so far? Well, I'll start with the challenging part in that, you know, of course, you know, with the within the Child Advocacy Network, we're working with partners that already have very full agendas themselves. We all know that there's just endless number of things we can be advocating on. And so I think one of the challenges is talking about housing and how it can be integrated into organizations already existing policy agendas and their ways of educating their own members around issues. And that's that's where I've, I feel like it's been so helpful for us and the North Carolina Housing Coalition to be working together because Another thing that I think has been really important is just being able to share solid, basic information with folks that give them a good, basic understanding of what's going on with housing in their communities. And doing that in a way we're able to break it down in one-page fact sheets or do it simply in a blog post or a presentation uh, during one of our meetings it's just been very helpful and key, I think, in helping people feel more, feel more comfortable within their own organizations, like getting in the door and doing more affordable housing type advocacy. Because again, the, the basic understanding and the will is there, like everybody gets that, hey, this is an issue, but I don't think that a lot of our child advocacy groups, for example, know, well, what the heck can I do about it? What's the solid steps one and two that I can take uh, and share with with my members to to make a difference? And you know, when I when I talk about folks in our network, it's folks like the Pediatric Society, the uh, Early Childhood Community, so um, North Carolina Partnership with Children and Smart Start agencies, etc. Um, local community action agencies. Uh, the Children's Home Society, local YMCAs and YWCAs, school professional groups, social workers, school psychologists, school nurses, local community foundations and others. These are all groups where we feel like there's an opportunity for them to be doing more housing advocacy if we can bridge that gap. Yeah. The big piece of the second, I guess, like right, what comes right after the coalition building for us has been the federal advocacy piece. And so much of what you talk about resonates a lot with what happens at the national level as well. 
where another thing that we talk about a lot is that, you know, we don't expect that our partners would come in and be experts as well on housing, but it's really about creating that language that can help bridge what we are asking for, even in the broadest sense of the word. So when we're saying that, hey, we want to increase the supply of affordable housing, like that resonates with people. People can really understand that no matter what sector that you're in. If we're talking about bridging the gap between rent and incomes, that's something that folks can understand regardless of the sector, providing some type of prevention measure for families so that you know if they are experiencing some type of economic shock that they could catch themselves and they don't spiral and these things really resonate with folks too as well as like the lived experience because we've also hear a lot of stories where folks talk about how being without housing you know with limited housing resources or experiencing housing instability that it impacts you know the education that they're able to provide to their kids the child care the access to healthy foods in communities, um, the access to just general health care and has an impact on all these things that kind of have this long term impact in terms of economic mobility. When we're talking about, you know, the wealth gap and all these things, you know, housing is intertwined into all of that, which is intertwined in a lot of policies that, you know, with a campaign, if we're able to really keep it broad enough that our partners can jump on board and mobilize their networks, it makes such an important impact to the work that we do through the campaign. So I just really appreciate a lot of the things that you you highlighted there with the work that's being done. Um, and so another question that I, I have for you too is that like NC Child, you focus on children and their families. And when I look through your website too, you've identified nurturing homes and communities as a key opportunity to help children grow and thrive. And we just had this conversation about, you know, how important housing is, especially in the introduction part of our conversation. So can you tell us why housing is vital for children and families? Well, it's just such a a fundamental building block onto which everything else, you know, all the opportunities that children might have um, is built upon. You know, if a child's living in an environment that's that's unstable, unsafe, um, then they're obviously going to struggle in in many different ways. And so, um, having that foundation is just key to children being able to thrive and um, you know it, it's far too often is not the case that children are able to be in uh, in these safe and affordable uh, housing situations you know here in North Carolina we have huge problems around you know affordability and access you know we're a growing state in a lot of areas we continue to grow in other areas <laughs> the rural population is is moving and and leaving and there's a lack of of resources uh and, and a dwindling tax base in those areas and so you know we're really at a at a turning point here in north carolina as we grow as a state on like what what is going to be our future, the future for our children here in the next 10 or 15 years. And the policy decisions that are being made now are obviously going to have a huge impact on on how that plays out. And we're trying to just, again, carry that message at the local level, at the state level, and certainly with our federal uh, congressional delegation as well. Yeah. 
Oh, thank you. Uh, I think this really ties into something to that. Would really, we, we've been talking about it kind of throughout this conversation, but I almost want to jump into it immediately because I feel like it really ties into how people can tap into what can help them learn more about it. So if folks are interested in this conversation about how housing is so significant to the well-being of children and their families, I mean, you really highlighted a lot of the issues where housing is so impactful to the work that you do. Where should folks look? What what is What are the resources out there that could really be helpful for groups that might be looking to tap into this information? Uh, the campaign housed a national roundtable and we always say with our round table that it is our outlet or our big table or our enroll to groups where they can join the campaign no matter where they are in terms of understanding housing and its connection to all these different sectors. Uh, and so it's really about bridging sometimes the information gap that's out there. So could you tell us a little bit about what resources are out there? We know that you spoke a bit about what you know you guys have been putting out there through the campaign as well. But where should folks look and what are some resources that really help build that connection between housing and the work that you all do? Well, I think first, you know, here in North Carolina, we always welcome everyone to join our child advocacy network because we share information about housing and many other issues affecting children. And if they go to our website, nchild.org, you can uh, find a sign up page there for that. The North Carolina Housing Coalition is also a great resource in the state of North Carolina, uh, nchousing.org, because, you know, they're really looking, they're, they're really the organization that's digging deep into these policy solutions and is able to talk at a deeper level about the impact that policies uh, are having and could have on on children and families and everyone else in our communities. And then, you know, there's other, I think, non-traditional allies, as we've mentioned, that are very, can be very helpful in, in this. And one being, you know, like the pediatricians and like our North Carolina Pediatric Society and, you know, across the country, I know that there's state-based groups of pediatricians because, you know, they then are seeing, you know, they, they're at the intersection and seeing all the social determinants of health and the factors that are going into whether or not children are, are leading healthy lives. And so we found them and their experiences to be to be a wonderful resource. And then also the early education community. There's obviously a lot of crossover between the need for affordable housing and the need for affordable childcare and looking at issues of, of homelessness among young children and how that intersects with their ac their their a access to affordable child care as well. Um, in North Carolina, we have a, a group called Child Care Resource, Resource and Referral, and they are looking specifically about the issue of homelessness and how um, the 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 intersection of how um, subsidized housing can be made available. Um, for those families or is being made available and how that intersects with subsidy for uh, for child care as well because we know really you know those things need to go hand in hand so those are just a few of the resources that I can think of offhand that um, that we look towards a lot yeah thank you for that through the campaign it's been our uh, it's been our fact sheets it's been 
tapping into members and asking them about, you know, their expertise and how we can bring that into some type of collaborative process. It's podcasts like these that also help people learn where the resources are. Uh, and so a big part of what you're talking about, too, is uh, just creating those opportunities. And I think that when you have partnerships that you build over time that deepen over time, too, um, it's a lot easier to have that ask or to have that collaboration that bridges that kind of information, that information gap that maybe folks are are lacking sometimes to really understand what the connection between housing and other sectors or the sectors are. And a lot of the, the work that we do as well is bridging the information that you get from other state grantees that are part of the campaign to also help because we know that looking across the nation, all the multi-sector coalitions will be different, but you guys are also working on the same kind of goal and process. And so there's things that also become very relatable to the work that you all do through the cohort. And so you mentioned these meetings kind of in the beginning of our conversation here, but we do hold monthly meetings with the state grantees to get updates so that you guys can also have conversations with each other and also ask questions to help out with the work that you are doing, whether it's about building the coalition, whether it's about you know reaching out to a group for an opt-ed or really courting a particular sector to join your advocacy efforts, your multi-sector coalition, how that you um, advance policy, what are the meetings looking like with your policymakers. So during these calls, you hear about all these things that are through this coalition and through other partners that we have. Um, and we wanna know uh, how has this network been um, for you as a grantee? How has it helped with the work? It, it's really great. You know, it, it's a great opportunity to at least every month get on, get on that call and be able to recenter myself in the how the affordable housing work and what are we trying to do you know from an nc child angle and i always learn so much i feel like i'm the least knowledgeable housing policy person on a lot of the calls but it's but but it's great because i get to i get to learn and i get to hear about this specific real life examples or what are some of the things that organizations across the country are trying to do in order to move policies forward to build their coalitions to you know talk about housing issues and and there's an open invitation there for us to also ask questions from others and and gain some of that information and there's even, you know, I specifically perk up sometimes when I hear the the Idaho uh, children's group speaking, you know, because it seems like they're very similar to, to what we do here in North mm-hmm. Carolina. And so that's been helpful as well. Yeah, definitely. We, we highlight a lot of Idaho's work, too. I mean, they've been featured a lot in a lot of the work that we do through the campaign because like you all are positioned is not a bread and butter housing advocacy group. So definitely get a lot of feedback from them. And they've been with the campaign from the very beginning. Uh, So it's great for us to hear about how those partnerships are deepened even within the campaign. 
uh, especially for folks out there who are thinking about multi-sector coalitions as well, is that there is this lesson learned, knowledge building and sharing that happens too um, with folks that are building these multi-sector coalitions and the lessons that you learn and how you're able to build your coalition can definitely help other organizations out there that's looking to build some type of cross-sector collaboration, whether it's through multi-sector coalitions, whether it's through um, program partnerships and things like that. So I know that it's, it's, it's we hope especially that it's, helpful for you all to get together on those monthly calls to really share information about the work that you all are doing. Um, and that work definitely gets to be put out there, out into the world and help other groups that are looking for that kind of information to, to help them as well. Uh, and so during those calls, we also hear about the updated materials that you guys are putting out there, conferences that you guys are putting on, opt-eds that are being released, and so much more of the work that you all do that we get to share with our national partners. And they're always so thrilled to hear about the work that you all are doing with the campaign. And so what are some of the ways NC Child was able to leverage your multi-sector partners in very unique ways in materials and in meetings and opt-eds and so on? Yeah, well, one specific thing that comes to mind is that we had, um, by working with one of our partners, we had an op-ed placed in two of our, in our two largest papers here in North Carolina, in Charlotte and Raleigh, um, talking about the issue of early, of homelessness among, you know, young children and their families. And again, making the link between affordable housing and affordable childcare and putting forth, you know, some policy ideas there. And so, that's been a great uh, concrete example. Uh, we also have been carrying out um, the, the message of affordable housing and integrated that into presentations that we're doing with local groups across the state. So as I mentioned with our four local uh, CAN hubs or chapters that we have in different areas of North Carolina, um, we, we talk about affordable housing and bring updates from the national and the state level about what's what's going on there and encourage people to be involved um, in ways that they can. So that's another thing. And then um, one thing that that we're going to continue doing this year again is that that collaboration where NC Child is going to the North Carolina Housing Coalition and their membership and sharing information around some of the work we're doing and housing fits in and then vice versa the Housing Coalition can come and give us updates around uh, policy issues that are on the front burner here in North Carolina and ways that people can be involved. So those are just some of the things, you know, we, we, we definitely have our eye on getting some more products out here in 2022, like to get a couple more basic fact sheets done, maybe a couple more blog posts as we go throughout the year, some things like that. And then, you know, we really see this this two years that we are being involved with the OSA grant to us is laying the groundwork for what we see as long-term, you know, involvement in housing advocacy. And, and we ultimately just want to bring that even more into our work. And we see it you know, as economic security work, honestly, you know, and, and as part of that, that bigger picture of what's economic security for families look like. And so as we grow as, a, as an organization to have that be one of our um, staple areas of work, um, we very much see housing, affordable housing issues being in front and center in that. Yeah, thank you so much. And, you know, something that came up 
that I'm thinking about too that could be helpful for folks listening is, you know, when we're talking about certain materials, like for example, the opt-eds, can you take us through a step-by-step of how that comes together? Who approaches it first? Who reaches out first? Like how does that whole process happen? Yeah, well, in this case, you know, it, it began, you know, it was a conversation that I was having with one of our partners around this issue. And it was probably, you know, spurred on, it was probably some information that I shared through, through you all or through the national campaign in some way. And so then, you know, the, the advocate kind of reached back out and like, well, this is one thing, you know, check this out, Adam. This is one area of this that we've that we're active in and that that we're really trying to to get some traction with. And so then I basically came back and was like, "Hey, that is great. It would be really awesome if you would submit, you know, an op-ed, a letter to the editor um so that, you know, we can raise awareness around this and then um talking the person through that process on just kind of like even finding out like, okay, like here's the word limit for that op-ed. Here's the email address you have to send it to. Here's any, you know, any of the other parameters that the outlet may have. And it was interesting because this person, you know, longtime advocate was like, well, I've tried that before and I've just never had much luck. And well, this time, lo and behold, it worked, and it was published in in both of those outlets, as I mentioned. So, it does take uh, you know a certain amount of of walking folks through it um, to help them you know click the submit button, uh, but it's worth it when it when it happens. No, thank you for that. I think that we always throw out like this is what's been created, this is what has been put out there. But sometimes we don't tell people about the process. And so I, I just love that you you took that step by step there, because I think some folks may have some, some questions about how does it actually get done. So thank you so much for that. Uh, and so I'm going to kind of transition us a little bit onto some of like the policy conversations that you're having. So it's been unique because the last few years have been unique years. And so on the national level, all of our resources were positioned to advance the historic housing investments found in Build Back Better. So how was NC Chow's multi-sector group able to shape the housing conversation with NC's elected officials? And I feel like there's a a lot of different questions out there, but I'll kind of throw out the broad question, which is, how are you able to navigate that? I know through the national campaign, again, we pivoted all of our resources to build back better. So how are you all able to kind of shape those conversations in North Carolina? Yeah, well, we've tried to participate in um, sign-on letters when we can and be a part of that process, knowing that those are getting shared with our congressional members here in North Carolina as well. Um, We've also participated in action alerts that have been sent out from from the National Coalition, uh, urging people to take action at key times. And in a couple instances, we've even integrated discussion around affordable housing issues into personal meetings that we're having with uh, members of the congressional uh, delegation staff and bringing uh, bringing those items up and talking about them in the context of Build Back Better, as you know, is mainly how we've been doing that. And, um, you know, that federal advocacy is is not the norm for NC Child. Like, you know, we, we've done some of, of that over the years, but we, we tend to do a lot more at the state level. Um, so that's more of our wheelhouse and sort of 
um, going down and directly talking to state legislators and others about issues, including housing issues. And we always take our cues from the North Carolina Housing Coalition on that front. But it's been it's been great to be involved in the federal advocacy process as well. Um, you know, I just wish honestly that sometimes there was a little more uh, open-mindedness to some of these potential solutions than we sometimes see but you know we go in and we talk about it nonetheless yeah and do you find that there are unique outcomes with having different voices at the table when you're talking to elected officials yeah, I mean, I think that NC Child does, in a lot of ways, for example, bring bring a unique voice to the table. Like when we go and talk to elected leaders and and bring others together to do that, though I do think those those leaders understand we're coming from one perspective, and that is what's good policy for children and families. You know, that that's the dog that we have in this fight. Let me just say that. I mean, we we don't and we don't receive like, you know, federal grants or state grants or what have you. I mean, we're we're foundation funded and private donor funded and we really um, take to heart, you know, our independence as a nonprofit advocacy group and try to try to go in and really speak truthfully about the impact that uh, policies are having on kids and do it from a, from a race equity perspective and looking at, um, at the big picture and, and, and laying that out there. So, you know, I do think that when you come in from that lens and you're talking about the issue of housing, it can put things in a little bit of a different perspective. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely that. And I do want to get a sense too of, kind of the transition through this relief period, through the housing relief period, through the pandemic. I mean, you guys had like just kind of started with the campaign last year and it was like, okay, let's let's go into, you know, this relief, let's go into housing. And it, it's such a, a different time period, especially comparing it to when the campaign launched and the things that we were asking for. So just getting a sense too of like jumping into the campaign at this particular time, how how was that? How was advocacy during this housing relief period throughout the pandemic? Well, it, it, it's been it's been very challenging. I, I feel like to me because it's like, you know, we're coming to the table to be a part of this, not having a deep understanding of the housing policy, and then on top of that, we're thrown into this situation where there's a huge where there's the relief funds coming down the li the line and that having to be implemented which i'm sure was a challenge even for the most seasoned housing policy folks yeah. so you know a lot of times it was just kind of like what the heck's going on here yeah. and what what do we say about it and um that's where again we just really have tried to rely on national partners state partners but it's been, um, but it's also been timely in the sense of, of course, so we've talked a lot about how children are being impacted by the, by the pandemic and having housing as a key part of that discussion obviously makes a lot of sense. And I feel like being a part of, of the OSA network has given us more, um, more ways to do that. Yeah. 
No, <laughs> that is, as you said, <laughs> it's been a challenge <laughs> even for us. Uh, but we, we, we're, we're, we're working through it. We're definitely um, moving in, in many different ways as the, as I guess the kind of ups and downs and the, the, the news that's out there around, you know, housing funding and relief funds. And we've had some really big wins, um, but also looking at Build Back Better and looking at these vital investments and also it being, I think, a, almost a statement to where housing is. I mean, if, if housing wasn't on the radar before, it's definitely been a highlight in a lot of the national conversations. Because I remember, especially in the beginning, mm -hmm. it was like, how can we tell people to stay at home to protect themselves from COVID when some people are experiencing housing instability, some people don't have housing. And so that became almost like a conversation starter, a conversation piece, an integral part of like camp, this relief from the pandemic where housing was really elevated in that conversation, but also, you know, challenging to just see how, you know, the that there's still, you know, a struggle to just see the value in investing in housing to really have an impact on a lot of these other things that, again, I think that we've said in this conversation over and over, it's just so foundational to so many other things. So although it, I feel like the conversation has increased around housing and it has elevated in somewhat, um, there's still a challenge sometimes to really have housing as the focus sometimes. So uh, it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely been a bit of a roller coaster for us as well throughout the pandemic pandemic. Uh, and so I do want to talk a lot too about, you know, along with the federal work that's being done, along with the multi-sector coalition building, a big part of the proposal that we had to bring in state partners was around racial equity work. So can you talk about how the work with NC Child has contributed to racial equity in North Carolina? Yeah, well, at NC Child, we, we've been on a journey as an organization in trying to center race equity in, in the work that, that we do. And, and we're not perfect by any means, but we really are um, trying to uh, do much more around um, looking at the full picture of what's happening in our communities and with all of our children and talking about disparate impacts and talking about policies that will lead to uh, making those situations better. So uh, a lot of times when we're when we're looking at data related to children and housing or any other area of child well-being, we like to disaggregate that data and go, OK, well, the picture overall in a community might be X. But when we really break that down and look at how are African-American children being affected or how are Latino children being affected or Asian-American children or what have you, we feel like that's very important because that gives us a full picture of, of how all our children are doing. And so, um, you know, housing, just like any other issue, uh, impacts people and communities of color in, in, in different ways. And there's different issues in urban areas and rural areas. And so, you know, to us, it just makes sense to bring a race equity lens to this work as a child advocacy network. Um, it's the right thing to do, and it also makes our advocacy efforts that much stronger. Yeah, no, thank you for that. Uh, the campaign has also, you know, really 
done some work as well as it's like this this work that is ongoing it's ongoing it's evolving Mm -hmm. also the conversation of what is best is also evolving through time as well and so the campaign i mean i think housing is one of those things that has this strong correlation to um, a lot of the inequities that have happened um past and present when it comes to housing where things are located the access to Mm -hmm. things that we're talking about um, so it's it's deeply a racial equity issue. And so making sure that that is lifted up and definitely highlighted in the work that we do and the ways that we talk about advancing these policies um, has definitely been a big part of the campaign work um, and is definitely a big part of the work that we that we have through our partners as well. So thanks so much for just uplifting that and also just talking about the data too. I think, again, when we're talking about that gap in information, you know, folks are always trying to figure out like how is this impacting this group and that group or this community. Um, And that is so important that when we are approaching the research as well, we are definitely providing a fuller picture about who's being impacted and why this matters in terms of really advancing racial equity policies as well. Being an anti-racist is looking at these policies and really figuring out how do we advance it in ways that are very true to advancing racial equity. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, NC Child, you know, you've been for, the, you did, you've been with the organization for a year and counting. Um, mm-hmm. And so what are the major takeaways that you can share with folks? Well, just that, I mean, I think, you know, it's taught me more that also you don't have to be an expert on all of the ins and outs of housing policy to be a strong housing advocate. And that is something that I am certainly taking away from this. I'm, I'm learning as we go, but it's, it just made it that much more uh, real to me the importance of us talking about housing as a centerpiece of doing child advocacy work in North Carolina. It's just got to be, you know, in, in, as part of the discussion, we've got to continue the ways that we're, we're doing that so that we can add strength to um, hopefully creating better policies. Yeah. And so I, I, we are coming towards the end of the podcast, and I want to thank you so much for your time today. I think you shared so much that would be helpful to so many people, to so many groups out there that would really help with sharing the information and giving people an idea of what you guys are doing with these OSA funds and the partnerships that you guys are, are doing as well with the housing group and just all the work that you're doing through the campaign. So I wanna thank you so much for your time today, uh, for your continued partnership with the campaign. And I know that we're just super excited um, as we go into this new year of work with you all to see the work that you all do. And so before we end this episode, I just wanna give you a little bit of time to just tell organizations out there about the work. If you could sum it up in a minute or two, what has been most rewarding about building these relationships and breaking sector silos with non-housing groups in, in North Carolina and housing groups, being a non-housing group yourself. <laughs> yes, um, you know, being a child advocate is being a housing advocate and uh, that is something that that we are trying to build upon here at NC Child 
we are trying our best to utilize the resources that are being made available to us through Opportunity Starts at Home and a lot of the other great organizations across the country that we're being networked with. And we're just real excited about carrying this work forward, this very important needed work here in North Carolina, and hopefully lending our efforts to some great successes at the national level as well. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you for your time. Thank you for everything that you've shared today through the campaign. Uh, we are really thrilled to have you for the next year working with us. And we thank you so much for everything that you've done. It's been tremendous work. It's been an honor working with you guys, um, an honor to see the work that you've done. And so we want to thank you for it. And thank you for helping us with our mission to really broaden this multi-sector coalition. Well, and thank you. We, we really appreciate the support that we get from you and others, Chantel, and we are looking forward to more great things throughout 2022 and beyond. Thank you so much. And to everyone listening today, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys in another episode. Thank you so much. Goodbye, everyone.